This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 532 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Is Damien really baby Hitler? Oh, that little Jimmy. Crisis on Infinite CW crossovers. Wally talks to a chair. Bruce's new direction. Lois hates clean rooms. Reign of the Super Miguels. And a supersized Young Justice. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, January 19th, 2020. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, and you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and maybe leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Well, first, you have an apology. We missed posting an episode two weeks ago. We had pre-recorded a crisis show to go in during the holidays, but it never made it through the whole process of posting. So we'll just save it for a later date. That was my fault. Oh, don't worry about it. I know, but still, you can blame me. Legion of Superheroes number three by Bendis, Sook, Moore, Von Grabager, and Belair. As seen on the cover, the main event this issue is Damian Wayne going back to the future, but there's other things going on. Ultra Boy's father, Krav, is not happy that the mission to retrieve Aquaman's trident failed. He's also less than pleased that his son has joined the LSH. A team of Cosmic Boy, Colossal Boy, he hasn't really settled on that name, Night Girl, Ultra Boy, Monel, and White Witch are dispatched to Rimbor to talk to Krav. This doesn't go well, and after Monel takes him out, they take him back into custody, which also doesn't go well. John is forced to punch him out, and Monel and John meet. And you are? Who do I look like? Like a guy from this show I like, but you won't get the reference. What's a show? He does look like him, right? Meanwhile, a second team of Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, Chameleon Boy, and Triplicate Girl are sent to Planet Gotham in order to interrogate Mordru. Guess what? That doesn't go well either. Everyone is called back once they learn that John has brought Damien to join them in the 30th century. To say the least, this is a problem. First, Damien has to get a treatment as a non-powered hero to even survive there. Second, bringing Damien to the future is a big no-no as his own future is problematic to say the least. He's referred to as Baby Hitler, and Saturn Girl wipes his mind about his time travel before he's sent back. I'm assuming this is a reference to a possible future where Damien has become the ultimate despot. And the Trident has been stolen again. Next issue, the secret origin of the LSH, and then the end of the LSH. As always, there's plenty of quipping going on. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 7 of 12 by Fraction, Lieber, and Fairbairn. This bizarre miniseries continues to jump from one mini-story to another. First off, we meet Jimmy Shrink, and Jimmy discusses how he feels like multiple people as we see different versions of the character, one of which is a frog with a bow tie. We then cut to Little Olsons, kid versions of the Olsen kids, describing 
what they want to be when they grow up. Jimmy goes through a litany of possible jobs, many of which reference classic Silver Age issues, including the one where he was a beetle in Roman times. Yes, that happened. A quick cut to Jimmy and Janie leaving Gotham to save Jimmy's hide and to abide by Batman's order. Meanwhile, Detective Jim Corrigan, not that one, is investigating what happened in Jimmy's old apartment when Dr. Mantell arrives looking for Jimmy. Also arriving via spaceship is Jix. Remember the girl Jimmy married but was supposed to annul but didn't get around to it? Anyway, Dix happens to be Martell's daughter and they both go off to find Jimmy. Martell to save him, Jix to kill him. Back to the little Olsons playing hide-and-seek. Then we see Jimmy's initial job interview at the planet where he gets a job because he happens to have an incriminating photo of the mayor and a mob boss. When Perry says they don't have the budget to hire him, Jimmy replies that he doesn't need a salary. He's rich and will work for free. A salary would just be weird. Off to the past and Jimmy's dad's meeting with Lex, fighting over control of Metropolis. Mr. Olson tells Luther that he owns the land LexCorp buildings are built on, reference to Superman the movie, and then little Jimmy snaps a pic of Lex losing his temper. Back to the road trip of Jimmy and Janie, where they wind up in Opal City, and Jimmy sees everyone wearing bow ties and sweater vests and looking like cosplay Jimmys. Nope, nope, no, 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 no. You are now leaving Opal City. We're loving this miniseries more and more. Crisis on Infinite Earths, 100-page giant number one by Wolfman, Guggenheim, Derenek, Scott, Caliz, Grummet, Mickey, Sotomayor, Perez, Giordano, Costanza, and Tolan. Since you're listening to this podcast, you're well aware that the CW just completed a massive crossover event mirroring the events in the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Well, with their customary timing, DC has put out the first of two issues providing more backstory plus a reprint of major CIE events, like a month later than they probably should have been out. This actually came out at Walmart two weeks ago, but it's now available at your local comic book store. The first new story is mostly about how the antimatter wave hits the Earth that were not mentioned on the TV show. Earth N-52, the new 52, Earth F, Fleischer's 1940s Superman cartoons, Earth X, as seen in a previous CW crossover, Earth 76, the Linda Carter Wonder Woman series, Earth D, introduced in a Legends of the DCU special from the 90s with a racially diverse JLA, they're all heard from. In each case, Pariah, who looks nothing like Tom Cavanaugh, arrives at the Earth that is being consumed. Heroes from Earth X are brought back. Maybe this will be referenced on the CW, maybe not. Felicity, who was a no-show in the CW crossover, is working to save Oliver. Barry sees Wally die on Earth D, and there's a parallel to the Anti-Monitor for Pariah called Outcast, which they managed to apprehend. Unfortunately, this was all part of Anti-Monitor's plan, as he becomes an antimatter bomb to take out Earth-1. The second story begins on Earth-1938, basically the Silver Age DCU, where Luthor breaks out of prison to join the Council of Luthors from across the multiverse. We get the John Cryer and Gene Hackman Lexus, the red-haired one, I assume from the Golden Age, the long-haired one from the John Byrne run, as well as the various armored versions and miscellaneous Luthors in suits. Cryer Lex tries to convince the others that they need to work with the heroes to stop the Anti-Monitor, but the rest are too obsessed on killing Superman or taking over the world to listen. He goes to Earth-38 to try to get his Superman's help before the others pull him back into the warp. Superman turns to see 
a lot of Superman. Big Head, Ant Head, Golden Age, Kingdom Come, Bizarro, Alien Head, Superwoman, Beppo, and all black costume versions. KC Superman says, we need to talk. The rest of the issue is composed of a reprint of CIE number one, the big setup issue, and CIE number seven, the death of Supergirl. We cover these in episodes 448 and 488, by the way. Considering that the writers of the new material were the same writers for the CW event, you would think that some of this might be referenced on TV down the line. But I doubt it. So while we're here, let's discuss a few things about the actual TV crossover. Now, there's no question this is the largest fictional event ever in terms of broadcast TV. In fact, the producers are already tamping down expectations for next time, saying the crossover will be smaller going back to their roots. While I I enjoyed it immensely, it would have been better if the CW had not spoiled virtually every cameo some months in advance. The only way to avoid it would have been to unplug from the Internet around October. The only real surprise was the Ezra Miller Flash from the DCEU, a.k.a. the DC Cinematic Universe. Reportedly, this happened at the last minute when WB management asked if he could be squeezed in. Despite Green Arrow being killed twice, I suspect he will return in his Spectre persona, a.k.a. Oliver, with a voice box. Supergirl and Earth Prime will now have to deal with Alex Luthor, who is a worldwide hero. Team Flash spent half a season prepping for Barry's death and now will have to readjust to a new world. The legends are so wacky and all over the place that I doubt the crisis will have that big of an impact. Now, we do have two greenlit series coming, Superman and Lois with the Super Sons and Stargirl, which was originally designed for the failing DC Universe streaming site and will premiere there, then appear on the CW a day later. We also have a backdoor pilot for Green Arrow and the Canaries, which is coming in this week's Arrow episode. One of the big questions there is, which Laurel will we be getting since all those worlds merged? Any other thoughts about the crisis? Well, you just enjoyed that last part so much. You were yelling at the screen all the time. Yes. Um, I do wish that maybe we had had some of the feeling of that in the earlier episodes, like you said, that were spoiled. Yeah. But eh, what can you do? Flash forward number five of six by Labdell, Booth, Rapman, and Guerrero. We start out with our buddy Tempest Fujinat, who provides multi-page spreads showing Waldy's continuity while he talks to the Mobius chair. Meanwhile, we have a tearful reunion of Wally, Jay, and Iris, but it doesn't last long as the dark matter consumes them. Flashback to Wally and Linda with their kids as babies and how Wally promises he will always be there for them. Wally's pushed back to Tempest, who starts spouting vague statements like he always does. Wally's had enough of this and starts super speed punching him and then takes the MacGuffin wand and attacks the dark matter. In this case, it doesn't work because the planet is dark matter. The Mobius chair stops by and Wally touches it to get answers. He learns he created this world of dark matter as part of the whole Flashpoint rebirth heroes in crisis events cycle. In order to destroy it, he will also destroy Jay and Iris and so he won't do it. The conclusion, next issue. Batman number 86 by Tinian IV, Daniel, Mickey, and Maury. A new era and creative team and a point to either stay on or jettison this title. Bruce has decided to rebuild Gotham into a clean, new, just city. Not everyone agrees with him. Meanwhile, he's got brand new tech, a spider-like car plane that can climb buildings. Spheres that project a bat shadow to lean assassins into a trap. Selina, Cheshire, Deathstroke, Merlin, and others make appearance. And Joker is referenced in an epilogue. 
Apart from the new gadgets, I'm nonplussed. Should we drop it? Yes. Yeah, that's what I figured that's what you'd say. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's okay, but it's just so generic now. Yeah. I... As opposed to what King was doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, there's a few titles I'm looking at. I've got some eye, an eye on right now. That are Time probably to gonna clean go. up the bull. I, I think Hawkman's going, by the way. Oh, I haven't read Hawkman for okay. a while. <laughs> well, because Hawkman has now veered into metal dark universe territory. Yeah, and I'm I like, don't like that nope. at all. Lois Lane, number seven of 12 by Rucka, Perkins, and Eltiab. A nun visits the goth girl who tried to kill herself, but is she actually a Leviathan agent? Now, see, I thought that was Lois for some reason. So did I. I don't know. Yeah, and then I'm like, I guess it wasn't. Meanwhile, the question stops a photographer from taking a shot of Superman and Lois kissing. Now we learn this is happening before the recent revelations in the Superman titles. Superman stops by and they have a chat. Question references Letter Kenny of all things. Later, Clark warns Lois that the question is going to have, well, questions about all this. Bad pun, hun. You are a great big sap and I love you. Question does confront Lois and they go up to her hotel room. Question has evidence to take down Shaw, but then Lois finds her room has been <gasps> cleaned. A room service sub wasn't aware the room wasn't supposed to be cleaned, so she apologizes and leaves. Now, I have a big problem right here. Yes? Lois is questioning her about not knowing the other maid and stuff. Why doesn't Lois, like, realize right away that this cleaner was not a real cleaner and was probably planting something? Yeah. They listen to Question's recording, which Lois says was coerced. You hung him upside down until he told you what you wanted. You even called it a Batman move on the damn recording, Renee. While they argue, a mysterious woman is watching them via hidden cameras. As you mentioned, it's the room service girl. Yeah. See, Lois is not that stupid. (laughs) No. Maybe she knew something was going to happen, and that's how she survives what is about to happen. The mysterious girl gets confirmation on her mobile phone that a payment has been made. She pulls off a mask to reveal a skull underneath and then blows up the hotel room. I'm guessing Lois survives as there's still five more issues. Yeah, Lois is not that stupid, though. (laughs) Dial H for Hero number 10 from Wonder Comics by Humphreys, Quinones, and Gibson. Just an insert here, I love Wonder Comics. (laughs) (laughs) We start with a quick review by the operator, then cut to the souped-up food truck traversing the multiverse. New 52's Earth 2, Batman Beyond, the reverse gender Earth, a Wonder Woman Elseworld story, finally landing on Earth 32, a world that combines elements of heroes, villains, and locations. They see the Daily Arkham newspaper and run into Super Martian, Harley Quinator, Wonder Hawk, and a host of other hybrids. They all recognize Miguel and Summer since they promised the operator to protect them when they arrived. Lobo Kikyu takes them to Miguel the Street, a sentient street, and the home of the H-Vault, a phone booth with a huge lock on it. He dials M-A-Y-O on it, and the booth pops open to reveal the Y-Dial. Mr. Thunderbolt pops in to collect the artifact, and Lobo reveals that Robbie Reed is both the operator and Thunderbolt. We get a mad fold-in page to provide exposition. We did not fold it. Miguel is torn. The operator has been lying by omission from the beginning. Miguel decides that Thunderbolt didn't lie to him and promises to save the multiverse, so Miguel goes off with him to his HQ. Meanwhile, Earth-32 is wiped out. Thunderbolt convinces Miguel to use the Y-dial and creates the reign of the Super Miguels. 
Of course, it's a takeoff of the post-death of Superman event with multiple beings saying they were the true Superman. Next issue, Raid on Apocalypse. Young Justice number 12 by Wonder Comics by Bendis, Timms, and Eltiap. The Young Justice team is about to grow again. Dean Lantern and Wonder Girl go to the Hall of Justice and are caught in a security bubble only to be interrogated by the Wonder Twins. Meanwhile, Connor finds himself on Skitaris and realizes all the effort he made to get back to his real life was for naught and begins to cry. The Warlord has a problem with this and they beat up a dinosaur. Meanwhile, Drake, Amethyst, Naomi, and Ginny Hex are trying to determine their next steps regarding Connor's disappearance and Star Lab's involvement. Impulse runs in with donuts and is told to go help Lantern and Wonder Girl. Of course, Bart has buries a JLA code and resolves the security concern. Dr. Glory calls the hall, warning them that Naomi attacked them, which she didn't, so Zan and Jaina go call the League off in space using Barry slash Bart's passcode. Cut back to the other team who see Lantern, Hex, and the twins arrive in Wonder Woman's invisible plane. I love that. Wonder Woman's plane gets so dusty up there they can see it. <laughs> yeah. A warp appears in front of them all, and who pops out but Miguel and Summer from Dial H. Various introductions are made, and they all agree that Dr. Glory needs to be stopped. Bringing in Dial H is <laughs> really seems shoehorned into this. Miguel uses the H dial and becomes Spider-Man? Essentially, it's it, it's not close enough to be a trademark in, issue, but it's clearly Spider-Man. Yes. It's basically who he's supposed to be. We finish things off with a big splash panel of the new huge team, well, I guess the JLA has had at least ten members at times, but they're now they're now hitting eleven members once once Connor comes back. Yes, but they're not all going to stay. Yeah, I would assume. All right, before we get out of here, it's time to play America's fastest growing new game show. I guess who's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly? Oops, we don't have an Entertainment Weekly, Mark. Uh oh. Time to spin the big wheel. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Let's get a magazine that hasn't shut down and. Today's magazine is Empire, the biggest movie magazine in the world. Okay. All right. Are you ready, Mark? Okay. I'm pressing the button. So I assume it's movies. Yes, it's movies. (laughs) Um, Is it one person on the cover? Yes, it is one Uh, person. Is it a man? Yes, it is. Uh, Under 30? No. Under 40? No. Under 50? No. Under 60? Yes. Okay. Somebody in their 50s. Um, Is this person in a big movie right now? Or in a movie right now? Yes. Okay. Um, is this some sort of Oscar bait movie? <laughs> no. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and, okay. Person in their 50s. Is this person, this person's an actor? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, best known for comedy? No. Best known for drama? Um, well, as opposed to comedy. Okay. And, and mostly known for movies? Yes. Okay. Uh, genre movies? Um, hmm. I suppose you could call it a genre. Is it historical? No. Um, is it... Hmm. Uh, biopics? I'm going to give you a clue. Okay. In that the movie that he's in now is not the movie he's on the cover for. Movie season now. So it's a movie he's it's coming up for Yes. Now. Okay. And his... Hmm. That would help you more if you focused on the movie that's upcoming. Yeah, movies that's upcoming. And it's a, is it a genre movie that's coming? 
Well, I would say it is, but it's not a typical genre. But it's not like historical. It may be its very own genre. Uh, biopic. No. Um, hmm. It's a series. It's a series, but based on books. Yes, it was based on books. Okay, and... But most people would probably know it better for the movie series. You only have 14 seconds okay, left. Okay. Um, I messed you up with that saying he's in a movie now. I'm sorry. Let's see. So, is he got brown hair? <laughs> That's not going to help you. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. We're going we're gonna to start one more time, honey. Oh, <laughs> I get another two minutes? Oh, uh, you should have been able to guess this one. <laughs> I feel really bad. <laughs> That's okay. You want to know who it was? Sure. Daniel Craig for the new Bond movie. Oh, okay. <gasps> I guess I guess that is a genre of the spy movie. Yeah. But I, I, I wouldn't have took, it would have taken me a long time to come to that. Well, see, that's why I always say it's sort of a genre movie yeah. because you know yeah. you don't think of it as a genre. Exactly. Announcer bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.